Hello everyone, and welcome to the all-new Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast, powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scultori, owner, operator, creator of ForeverBlueShirts.com and the TheDailyGoldhorn.com. Thank you guys very much for uh, visiting those websites and keeping everything going. So I appreciate everything and wanted to just let you guys know. On today's episode, we're going to be hitting a number of topics. Um, We're going to talk about the Rangers as they are entering Pittsburgh tonight again for game two of their little two-game stand in Pittsburgh. The Rangers are currently one, two, and one. So I going to talk a little bit about the way they're playing. I don't think it's that bad, regardless of the record. There are a lot of positive signs, but we definitely want to talk about it. Another thing I want to discuss is David Quinn. You know, we are four games into a 56-game schedule, and already people are questioning everything the guy does. Some of it, I can understand legitimacy to those questions, but a lot of it is complete and utter nonsense, and it's got to be called out. You know, I think people just got to calm down four games in. I'll get into that in a minute, too. Also going to talk about the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade to the Winnipeg Jets for Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovich. It's a hell of a deal. It is a definite blockbuster. Uh, And the Rangers were interested, as well as 20 other teams. But, I mean, just listen to the pieces that went to Columbus. I know everyone says the Rangers need to get a center to be competitive, But I can only imagine what a package to beat that would have been. So we'll talk about that in a couple of other topics as well. So let's start immediately discussing the Rangers and where they stand right now. So the Rangers have picked up three points out of a possible eight so far this season. Doesn't look good. Certainly doesn't sound good. Um, But when you look at the games... You have to admit, outside of the first opening night where the team looked lethargic and not ready to play in the first period and they they got taken to them by the Islanders and lost 4-0, the next three games, the Rangers have been excellent. There are still concerns and worries, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But they came back against a very good Islander team and beat them decisively. Now, the Islanders did not play a good game, but at the same time, just like you have to give the Islanders credit for taking the Rangers off their game in Game 1, the Rangers did that and more to them in Game 2 and beat them 5 nothing. So, in the two-game set, the Rangers outscored the Islanders 5-4 when you want to look at it that way. They were rock-solid. Georgiev was excellent in that game. Um... Then they came up against the Devils. And yes, they lost 4-3. to three. Um, I looked at that game, and I'm still scratching my head as to how they, they, they didn't even get a point. And Mackenzie Blackwood faced 50 shots and stopped 47, some of them extremely high-quality shots. And it just didn't work out. And Georgiev was night and day different between the two games. He was, he was tracking the puck extremely well against the Islanders and then came back and was completely inconsistent and struggled against the Devils. Uh, Shesterkin came in in the third period and stopped all eight shots he faced. Now you go into Pittsburgh, 
and they're pl- they're out playing the Penguins, and bang, they score a goal. The Penguins score a goal off a double deflection. Yes, Jack Johnson was on the ice. He was on the ice for two of the three goals against. And yes, his defensive partner was Tony D'Angelo, and everyone, you know, all had concerns about that defensive pairing. Sometimes it's bad luck, but at the same time, they certainly don't look as good as you would hope. Um, but the truth of the matter is, Rangers should have won that game. They were up 3-1 in the second period, and then, inexplicably, I know Ryan Lindgren is trying to stop a puck. There's a there's a scramble in front, and it's on the power play, and the puck's in the crease. Lindgren's on at all fours, and I think he tries to hand pass it back to Shesterkin, who's completely not ready for it and doesn't see it, and he hand passes it into his own net. And now it's 3-2. to two. And then the game-tying goal. The game-tying goal is literally just as much puck luck as you can get. Shot goes completely wide. The shot goes wide, hits the boards, and caroms perfectly onto a penguin's stick in front of the net. And bang, it's it's a 3-3 game. From there, they went to overtime. Their teams had their chances. Filipito, who scored an incredibly beautiful goal with patience and hands and filthy mitts, uh, had the same type of opportunity in overtime and wasn't able to put it in. I think he hit the post. That could have been the game. He, you know, Heedle's coming out party, which by the way, Heedle has looked great this season. And so has Capo Caco. And if Lafreniere can get it going, I mean, the Rangers, if you look at it, are going to have, th- what I imagine, three extremely good lines, okay, offensively. Three lines that he can he can get going and a fourth line that can shut down and give the top three lines a rest. That is that is what I want to say. But anyway, just assessing where the Rangers are, they only picked up three points, like I said. But if you really look at it, the Rangers probably should have beaten the Devils, should have beaten the Penguins. That would have been three more points, and now you got six of eight. And all of a sudden... The complaints about David Quinn, the complaints about, you know, Tony D'Angelo, and the complaints that we're seeing right now, they're they're not as loud and they're not as fierce um, from the armchair coaches, you know, sitting on their couches and assessing everything after the fact. And uh, it's just just par for the course, I guess, when you when you're talking about fans and a team that that is struggling right now in the standings. So now let's look at a couple of things that don't that everyone is paying attention to because they're so fixated on the wins and the losses and and trying to nitpick everything. But just let's hear some of these little things out. So the blue shirts, okay, have 30 or more shots on goal in each of the last three games. That's a pretty darn good thing. Okay, they've also held their opponents to 28 shots on goal or fewer in each of the last three games. So they're out shooting their opponents. That's what you want. You want to outshoot your opponents. That's possession, right? That's kind of a little indicating factor of outpossessing your uh, opponent. Um, I think it's another important thing that we should learn. So we knew in the first game the Rangers took way too many penalties. 
He took eight in the first game. But think about this now. For the season, the Rangers have drawn 24 penalties and have taken only 17 in the four games. Minus the eight from the first game against the Islanders. That is ridiculous. That's nine penalties in the last three games. So that is a big, big difference. These little things eventually will start adding up to wins. They're very close. And people screaming and yelling have got to calm down. Now, let's talk about Jack Johnson for a minute. And we'll do so after we take a quick break. And we're back. And we're talking about this year's number one scapegoat for Ranger fans. And it didn't take long. It was almost predestined since the moment they signed him. Jack Johnson has played four games for the Rangers and is a plus minus four. So he's in the negative and he has struggled at times and has found himself on the ice for more goals against, obviously. Um, He was brought in to help the PK and unfortunately hasn't done that great of a job in that department either. So he is drawing the ire of fans and that's probably what most people who uh, basically are in the anti-David Quinn camp have been for a long time and now are with their voices gaining additional detractors. There's a lot of questions as to is David Quinn the right guy for the job? Even one of our contributors at ForeverBlueShirts.com, you know, wrote a piece with regards to David Quinn calling into question some of his lineup decisions. And that's fine. I think it's fair. It's fair to try and point things out. But there's a counter argument to everything as well. But Jack Johnson is struggling. His is, you know, his Corsi 4 percentage, which is right now how we're, we're tracking possession, is 45%. It's not very good. Um, Tony D'Angelo, who's only played two games, and uh, primarily with Jack Johnson as his partner, his course is at 50%. Adam Fox is at 52%. You have um, Ryan Lindgren at 58%. You have Jacob Trura at 58.3%. And the guy who was scratched, um, Brendan Smith, has a 56%. Um, which makes it really difficult to understand why Jack Johnson is still in the lineup. Um, Yes, I heard he's a good character guy. I know Jacques Martin, who was brought in, is a big fan of Jack Johnson. But thus far, after four games, I don't see it. Now, they're playing the Penguins today, right? So we are recording this podcast. It is January 24th on a Sunday. But... um, Coming in, this is the fifth game of the season, and I got to be honest, if, J- if Jack Johnson's on the ice for another one or two goals against, or especially, you know, PK is not successful tonight, I don't understand how you don't reinsert Brendan Smith in the lineup for him. You can't take Tony D'Angelo out. You taught him his lesson, okay, and you won one and you lost one with D'Angelo out of the lineup. So I, I-, I just... It is what it is. He can't come out. And David Quinn even said in a 
you know, post-practice Zoom interview that the Rangers are committed to D'Angelo here, that they, you know, long-term future. That's what he said. So we'll see, we'll see where we stand. But at this point, I can I can give Jack Johnson another game to try and understand it, but I still if that's my one bugaboo, my one beef with David Quinn, it's what are you seeing in Jack Johnson that I'm not? Okay? You know, trying to tone down or you know, block out the screams on social media from fans I I've that I've spoken to. That I I just that's the one I can say I'll give you all some credence to this because I, I don't get it. And that's fine. Maybe I don't see things on the ice in the in the videos. I don't see what's going on in the locker room. I'm not privy to it. No one is at this point in time. Not even reporters are allowed in the locker room at this point. Everything is, is what we see on the screen uh, when the game is on. But if play is going to count for anything... Uh, and this is a meritocracy. I don't know how Brendan Smith is not back in the lineup and Jack Johnson is out. I'm not expecting lineup changes today. I believe Igor Shosturkin will start. Uh, we won't know uh, until, uh, till, till, I guess, another hour or so or before the game starts. David Quinn will probably speak and uh, announce his lineup. But I don't expect any changes there. Another thing that I, I kind of want to touch on because, once again, there is a camp. There is a there is a confirmation bias. I don't like David Quinn. David Quinn's not right for the job, and people are calling for his head. Have been calling for his head for quite a while. Uh, he's a college coach. He'll never be better than a college coach. It, it's a it's a little head scratching to be honest with you. Uh, I just really don't see it. But with with that being said, the absolute hysteria over the fact that in the shootout, okay, where we're basically talking about a skills competition. In the shootout, he went with his normal three. He went with Mika Zibanejad, Otemi Panarin, and Tony D'Angelo. And people were screaming, and I, again, this is another thing. There's a lot of people who just don't like Tony D'Angelo. It's personal at this point. It's not just, oh, he's not very effective defensively, okay? Although I don't think he's that bad. And he drives puck possession. And he was the fourth leading scorer among defensemen. But, you know, some people have personal issues with D'Angelo, the person, versus D'Angelo, the player. And that is driving a lot of opinion. And it's and it's it's something that, if I'm trying to be objective, I've got to look at the play on the ice. But for people flipping out, just to be clear, Tony D'Angelo coming into the shootout, the first shootout of the season for the Rangers, is three for seven. Okay? Three for seven. Everyone wanted Philip Heedle. Philip Heedle was 0 for 2. Now, is Heedle hot? Yes. David Quinn even admitted that he gave some consideration, and if the shootout would have went another round, Heedle was the guy who was going to take it. Okay? But Heedle's 0 for 2 in shootouts. And if you recall, he did score on one breakaway. Beautiful goal. Awesome goal. But he also missed one in overtime. Similar. Okay? Where he was alone in front, deked, and didn't put it in. People people would scream, what about Buchnevich? He's 0 for 2. Kreider's 0 for 1. Not very good on breakaways, by the way, Chris Kreider. All right? Although, that is 
my perception, and then you find out, if you listen to the last um, podcast, we had Steve Valaket on, and I believe Kreider was the best ranger on breakaways last year, okay, according to the stats that he tracks, and the, and that's it. I, I mean, this is what I mean. You have to, if you've got a confirmation bias already in your head, and you see something, you automatically think, see, I'm always right. And that's just not the case. So I just think that's a silly thing to be calling for Quinn's head because he didn't put Philip Heedle in. I think that's a little ridiculous. Would you like to see more Kako? Sure, I would too, right? I think Kako's been hot. But I also think he's been balancing the forwards quite nicely, you know? And for people screaming about him not playing Kako or Heedle and giving them enough ice time, I'm seeing Keandre Miller on the ice quite a bit. 21-year-old rookie. Picked up his first assist uh, in the last game. He has no fear of playing kids. And let's talk about Alexi Lafreniere now for a minute. So when you look at Lafreniere, you're talking about the Rangers' number one overall pick. And he's getting plenty of ice time. Okay? Plenty of ice time. He's averaging 1448 of ice. Okay? And you're going, well, that's not a lot. All right. He doesn't get power play one time, so that hurts. That's why guys like Panarin are getting 20 minutes, okay? Because he plays primary power play, and he plays a ton of it. The the PP1 for the Rangers is going well over a minute almost every single time I see them out there, which I think is something Quinn needs to fix. He's got to keep keep them to a minute because they will get tired. And if, God forbid, there's a breakaway late in their shift – you can see shorthanded goals against. So he's got to reel that in. But as far as five-on-five ice time goes, here's how it breaks down. Number one, Artemi Panarin, 14 minutes and 58 seconds of ice. Second, Pavel Buchnevich, 13.35 of ice. Ryan Strome, 13.10 of ice. And Lafreniere, 12.17 of total ice time at even strength. Lafreniere, the 19-year-old rookie, is fourth in time on ice average. Okay? Don't tell me David Quinn's not playing the kids. Don't tell me that at all. So my point is, you can see what you see and, and make all the assessments you want. Problem is, and fans, you guys are all guilty of it, and at times I can be guilty of it too. In the heat of the moment, when your emotions are high or you're angry, so many things are, are you're not seeing the bigger picture or you're not taking it back. And sometimes you got, you got to do this. You have to do this exercise. And also, for all the people, and I'm starting to see some writers chiming in about David Quinn, these are the same people, a lot of these people who are also complaining are the same people that talk about the NHL's old, you know, old boys network. You know, these recycled coaches that and not giving younger coaches a chance. This guy is entering his third year as a head coach in the National Hockey League. A third year with the youngest team in the NHL. So let me get this straight. You want young coaches to get a chance to provide a new vision, but you're now calling for his head. He doesn't have a plan. He doesn't know what he's doing. Tell me, guys, what do you want? 
Does anybody like you guys literally flip flop more than a politician? You, you, I mean, I, I, I don't even understand. You guys waffle on on all these things. David Quinn is fine. He's in his third season. Youngest team in the NHL. He's building accountability. He's doing everything he has to. He's playing the kids. He's trying to build confidence in them. He's not trying to, he, he's giving, sometimes in some cases, you could say that he's giving Lafreniere too much responsibility as he's now a top six forward. Something we all wanted. And maybe that's good. Let's keep it that way. I had no problem with him as the third line forward, okay, with Filipino and Kako on the second with Panarin and Strom. Now, Strom is struggling. Why not drop Strom down and give Hedl more ice? I'd like to see what Panarin and Hedl could do. You never know. Okay? Buchnevich has been playing great. Now, let's talk about Buchnevich. Buchnevich, this is the same guy that Quinn was scratching when he got here. And now has become one of the one of the better forwards the Rangers have this season. Is he getting any credit for that? I don't hear fans giving him credit for that. No, will you? Because it doesn't fit their narrative of wanting to fire a coach for certain reasons. It's really getting nonsensical, guys. David Quinn is fine. And we should leave that and leave that alone. Okay. We're going to take another break. And I'm going to come back and talk about the trade. Okay. Pierre-Luc Dubois to the Winnipeg Jets. That was something. Back in a minute. Okay, fans, we're back. So yesterday, Pierre-Luc Dubois, a top center, okay? He's going to be a number one center in this league. Was traded out of Columbus. He demanded a trade. He wanted out. He was playing like absolute garbage. And his benching was well-deserved. And so much so that the captain of the Blue Jackets, Nick Felino. Called him out on it yesterday. You could read that at the dailygoalhorn.com. Called him out yesterday on it. And that that's not what they need, the Blue Jackets. And he was basically happy the situation is over and done with. Dubois basically admitted that he didn't ask to be traded due to torts. He knew what torts was coming in. Spoke to players like Vincent LeCavalier and Martin St. Louis that, you know, kind of coach he is, and he is exactly as expected. Somebody who wants to make you better as a person and as a player. Those were the words out of Dubois' mouth. So now he has to actually now step up and do his job, and he's going to be the number two center in Winnipeg. So you look at the deal. Dubois in a third-round pick. Dubois in a third-round pick for Patrick Laine, Jack Roslevic. And by the way, Line is going to have 26% of his salary retained for the season. Now, he's going to be a restricted free agent at year's end. It'll be very interesting if he wants to stay in Columbus. But right now, he seems pretty excited. Being a Finn, Yarmo Kekalainen is a Finn as the general manager of the Jackets. I have a feeling that's going to work out there. I think Line is going to be outstanding in Columbus. But still, I think the Jets overpaid, but I think the Jets wanted to get rid of two headaches. Two guys that didn't want to play for them and hopefully work it out with Dubois, whose whose father is a coach in the system, in the Jets organization. So maybe that does all work out. The Jets don't have to worry about it for this season or next season as he signed for two years. Um, 
But just listen to that package. Who in God's name was going to beat that package? Line and Roslovic and 20, 26% cat retention on Line. Who was going to beat that? Not a soul. Not a soul. The Canadians who everyone was like, oh, the Francophone wants to go there. No way were they going to. They, they, first off, they said Nick Suzuki's not even in the equation. Well, if Nick Suzuki's not in the equation, then there was really going to be no deal there. And, you know, Anaheim, I don't know what Anaheim's package was. Everyone's saying that they were right, they were close, but was Trevor Zegras going to be the one that was going to go? And if so, was that, that wasn't going to be enough. They weren't, the, the Jackets aren't looking for futures. They're looking to win now. And they were just, this is a swap of disgruntled stars. So the Rangers were interested. I've written about this extensively. Dating back to December 31st, it will be the first article where I even said, the price is too high on Dubois, okay? Conversations I had with with someone well-placed basically told me they didn't believe, regardless of wanting him or not, they didn't believe that the Jackets were going to trade him in the division. Yes, the Jackets are not in in the East Division, but they are part of the Metro. And next year, they're going to revert back to the old divisions. There's been been talk about possible permanent changes, but that does not mean that the Blue Jackets wouldn't be part of the Metro as part of those permanent changes for realignment. No one really knows. So do you really think Kekalainen was going to take a lesser package than that and trade Dubois to the Rangers? It just wasn't happening. What I do know is that you can see that Rangers are placing high value on, on their kids. Okay? Lafreniere, Kako, Heedle. Heedle was probably going to have to be part of that deal. Keandre Miller. Their, Rangers aren't playing games with their future here. They know that this is a marathon. You guys are all wanting Stanley Cup tomorrow? It's not happening. The Rangers already know that this is going to be, let's see what happens this season. Their game plan is all about next year. Kako will be his third season in the league. Shesterkin, third season in the league. You have Fox, going to be his third season in the league. You have Lafreniere, is going to have his second season in the league. Miller, Lundqvist could be coming over. I mean, listen, this is a good, good young hockey club that's going to get a lot better. But... They also have Vitaly Kratsov, Braden Schneider, Matthew Robertson, Carl Henriksen. These are all top prospects uh, from the World Juniors. You have Brett Berard, okay, Zach Jones on defense. These are a lot of very good prospects. They're not all playing for the Rangers. Every name I just told you now is not all going to be on the Rangers. It's not possible. The Rangers are going to take these assets and turn them into star players. The Rangers are going to find another top center. Now, this was kind of a fantasy thing when Jack Eichel was brought up. But a lot of people are starting to believe Jack Eichel is going to be a member of the New York Rangers next year. I I don't know. I'm not sure, but Jack Eichel and David Quinn have a past relationship. Jack Eichel is sick of losing. The Sabres aren't getting any better. 
Taylor Hall is there for one year. Taylor Hall is probably going to probably leave Buffalo too. Now, I feel for the Sabres. The Sabres are almost in a constant rebuild mode. So who knows? But the Rangers do have the young talent and the and some veteran players. They could package quite nicely to the Sabres to get a Jack Eichel. Regardless of, of the Sabres saying, we're not going to trade Jack Eichel or we have no desire. You know what? Sometimes what happens behind closed doors, that guy wants out starts making it public, things can get messy quick. Now, mind you, that would be a trade, okay? But there could be other players out there that the Rangers could make deals for that wouldn't cost as much as Jack Eichel. The Rangers are definitely going to be in a position to bolster this lineup. It could be three lines deep with stars on it, okay? And have a solid fourth-line checking unit and a solid defense and start pushing for to for becoming Stanley Cup contenders. I mean, that's where we're at. And that's what the Rangers believe. And that's what people told me within the org. This is going to be an important season, a developmental season. They're hoping for good things. They want to see good things this year. We all want them to be above 500. If they, We want them to make the playoffs. But you know what? As long as they're in the fight through and through... And they're battling. And even if they just miss, that's a good thing. Valaket said that in the last podcast as well. It's a stepping stone. It's a it's a step in the pro, in the progress. Remember, 2018, the letter went out. At the end of the 2018 season, trade deadline, they started getting rid of players. It doesn't happen overnight. The 2019 season, okay? In the 28-2019 season, Quinn comes in, his first season. They're still getting rid of people. They got rid of people last year. Buyouts as well. Let Fost walk. Let Henrik Lundqvist. There was a buyout trading Mark Stahl. Now, this, what you're seeing here is David Quinn's team. For the first time, this is David Quinn's team. Everything that's from this point on is truly his team. And this is where we need to start really paying attention. We have to put the last two seasons behind as learning curve for everybody and a setup to where we are today. And that is how I'm going to wrap up the show. So fans, enjoy today's game. The Rangers will be taking on the Penguins, 7 o'clock tonight, looking to get their record to 500. So I want to thank you all for listening. And let's go Rangers. Enjoy the game, folks.